We're, we're in uh, Psalms 150. Um, 150, and as we've been going through these, tonight is book number four. And um, so we have been going through these psalms, and tonight want to discuss the, the fourth of these. And uh, Pastor Jim will be speaking next Wednesday night on the last one. Pastor shared the first one, and then uh, Dan, and then Ryan uh, last week. Sorry, I don't have any music uh, for you. If you were here last week, he had some music. Uh, the book is comprised of the Psalms 90 through 106. 90 through 106. So there's 17 Psalms here. The book of Psalms in the Hebrew is called Praises or Book of Praises. That's what Psalms means, one of the words for uh, Psalms. And um, it's giving praise unto God. And it's been said that um, some, sometimes the best way to learn is to put something to music. And so it used to be before they had, you know, pen and paper and all those different things, that they would have these psalms, and so they would kind of put them to music to help them learn. So if I start singing Amazing Grace, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound. See, you know the song because you've been taught. And in that, there is a message. talks about the grace of God and what Jesus Christ has done for us. Same thing here, that they would use these psalms uh, to help to memorize them. Another title that's been given to them, this 150, is prayers. There's a lot of prayers in the book of Psalms. And you can even see in Psalms chapter 72 and verse 20, it says, This concludes the prayers of David, son of Jesse. In Psalm 90, one of them that we'll study tonight, um, has the title, A Prayer of Moses, the Man of God. The Man of God. The authors of this book, or, I'm sorry, this book four, these 17, are different, just like the others have all been different. Um, and, but a number of these are anonymous. There's a lot of these that we don't know who the, who the, author, are, the author is. Um, if you have a Bible, you can flip through these 17 Psalms, 90 through 106, and see that there's only a few that, do, that we do know. 101 was from David. 102 is the prayer of an afflicted man. And 103 is a psalm written by David also. David also. So if you look at Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 through 17, it says, So as those who had been chosen of God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another and forgiving each other, whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so also you should, should you. Behold, all things put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called into one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ richly dwell in you, with all wisdom, teaching, and admonish one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thanksgiving, thanksgiving in your hearts to God. Whatever you do in word and deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to our God the Father. Verse 16, let's look at this again. It says, let the word of Christ richly dwell in you. We need to have the Word of God in our lives. And by reading it, by memorizing it, by praying through it, by studying it, by writing it, however, that you get the Word of God. The Word of God is God's directions unto us, the Bible that He's given unto us, into our lives with all wisdom. The Word is wisdom. If you want to know how to live your life, if you know, want to know how to you know, take care of something. If you want some direction in your life, read the Word of God. It will tell you. It will tell you. Now, sometimes we just, we can't find a specific. You know, I use the illustration. You know, modesty, what's the Bible say about modesty? That we should dress modestly. Now, to an 80-year-old and a 16-year-old, <laughs> wow, we could be worlds apart in what modest is. 
So it doesn't say that we have to do this or do that, wear your dresses down to your ankles or to your... No, it says do it modestly. But there are other times when you can see if you need direction in your life, the best thing for you to do is go and read the Word of God. Get wisdom. And teaching and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God, that you are teaching others. And, and sometimes we do this. How do we teach kids? You know, the, the, the books of the Bible. There's a little song that goes with it. How do we teach kids? The ABCs. We teach them a song. And it's the same thing here that they would do is that they would teach these psalms uh, unto their family and pass it down. Because the thing is, is, is some of these songs that we sing, how old is Amazing Grace? But we still sing it today. And we pass it down from one generation to the next generation. Psalms are given to us for wisdom to teach others and to help us to grow in that wisdom. Psalms is about our relationship with God. How many Psalms do we tell you to read a day? Five. Proverbs is your relationship with man. Proverbs and Psalms is your relationship with God. You need to have a better relationship with God so you can have a better relationship with man. So read five Psalms and one proverb a day. For some of you, maybe you need to switch it around and, you know, you're struggling with your fellow man. No, you just need to read more psalms. Get this, get this relationship here going well with God, and your relationship with others will work out. It will work out. So five psalms a day and a proverb. If you're doing that, I applaud you. I applaud you. If you have a, a good relationship with God, it helps you with your other relationships. Some are long, some are short. And as you read through them, you can see that we have one of the longest chapters in the Bible, in Psalms. And Psalms are important. When I was in Bible college, um, every year they would take the students down to Mardi Gras. And the first year that I was planning on doing that, um, we had to memorize one of the Psalms that's in our fourth book tonight, 91. And if you get the chance, I'm going to tell you at the end of this, to, to go back and read that. And it talks about that you um, hide under the shelter of his wing. And it talks about the protection of God. And the thing is, is that every student that went had to memorize this. You had to repeat this. And um, because they wanted you to be ready for what you were going to face down in New Orleans. And it, it really was true. It ended up that I got sick um, the, the day before we were to go, and so I wasn't able to go. But it was the next year after that that I was leading, and then the year after that, and I, for two years I took students down there. It's a spiritual battle that goes on. And we need the Word of God. And if you're not reading the Bible, let me encourage you, read the Bible. We need the Word of God every single day. If you don't understand the spiritual battle you're going through, then you've probably already lost the battle. To understand that the devil wants to destroy you and have you walk away from your relationship from God. And if he can do that, then he's won the battle. It helps us to understand. So... In book four, we see in these psalms how God protects his children. We see the splendor and the majesty of God. God knows man, the good and the bad. How to have strength to overcome. And then two specific that I have down here in Psalm 104 talks about the creation from Genesis and how God created us. And then 105 gives a short history of some of the great men of the Bible. There's some great words in there about creation and also some of the great men of the Bible. So let's look at Psalms 94. That's the one that I have picked for tonight that we can go through and hopefully you will glean from it. It's hard when you have 17 to narrow it down, and I've read them, and this is the one that I settled on. This psalm starts out as a cry for vengeance on Israel's oppressors and those in Israel who were oppressing those who were following after God, then goes into an appeal for faith of God's own people. This psalm starts out as a cry for vengeance, 
and then goes into an appeal for faith of God's own people. Remember that Israel had a lot of ups and downs as you read their history, and as you can see that God was always with them, they weren't always with God. God was always with them, but they weren't always with God. And let me just finish by in the introduction. This psalm is broken up into four parts, verses 1 through 7, 8 through 11, 12 through 16, and 17 through 23. So if you'll read with me verses 1 through 7 tonight. O Lord, God of vengeance, God of vengeance, shine forth. Rise up, O judge of the earth, render recompense to the proud. How long will the wicked, O Lord, how long shall the wicked exalt? For they pour, pour forth words, they speak arrogantly. All who do wickedness vault themselves. They crush your people, O Lord, and afflict your heritage. They slay the widow and the stranger and murder the orphans. They have said, the Lord does not see, nor does the God of Jacob pay heed. He is talking to God in God's characteristic of the judge. He is the one who vengeance or will take care of our battles. We all have times and people that we wanted to get back for what they have done. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would just take these words. Father, help us to grow in grace, to see that you are to judge, that you are to judge. Father, you're the one that we lean to. We look to in times of need, but Father, help us also to have faith, to trust you to live by faith and not by sight. As we give you praise in Jesus' name, amen. Number one, our verses one through seven, God is the judge of the earth. God is the judge of the earth. There's a lot of descriptions for God. As you read the Bible, you can see that he's the healer, he's the provider. There's so many names, but in this uh, book, in this psalm, he's called the judge. Verse one, he wants God to shine forth. He wants God to stand up. He wants God, the one who's writing this, to rise up and to show these people who are coming against him who he is. In other words, God, take care of these terrible people. Now, I know that you've never prayed that, have you? You're not like me. God, strike them down. I've told people, if I was God, there would be a lot less people on this planet. There would be. There would be. Hey, oh, I got an amen on that one. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> so I'm not alone. Yes. Need to stop having those people float through my mind right now. <laughs> he wants God to be the God that will take care of these people. He wants the, the, those who are doing the things that are bad and terrible to be punished. And this really, as you walk with God, if you have, you know, a conscience, if you have a tender heart, you would feel this way about anything. We, we've, our news has been just kind of blown up in the last couple of days with so many things. This young lady, this 20-year-old this Molly that's out west that they found dead, just... It should break our hearts, break our hearts of what's taking place. You know, that this is happening. And she was just going for a run, and now her, her life is, is over with. And it's just a, a real struggle. And we would say, God, take care of them. The thing is, sometimes, sometimes our thinking and our ways are not God's ways and our thoughts are not God's thoughts. What happens when we do it? If we let God be the greater and let God have the vengeance, you'll find that it's even better. In Romans chapter 12, verse 19, it says, Never take your own vengeance, beloved, but leave room for the wrath of God. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. But I, I have to believe that probably at some time or another you've done that, that you've taken it into your own hands. 
You know, somebody has done something or somebody's cut you off in traffic or, you know, maybe somebody, somebody's, whatever it happens to be. We're like, ah, it's the, the, the sinful man that's inside of us that rises up that causes us to do these things, that we want to do that. It's just the sin nature. You can't get rid of the sin nature inside of you. But if we let God have his way, then God will take care of it in the perfect way. In the perfect way. Ever have one of those times? If we will be patient, that's a hard word, God will bring justice to the situation and he'll take care of it in the right manner. And I've seen this happen many times. When I was in Columbia, Missouri, and I've shared with you, and most of you know, we, went, we were going through a church split. And uh, so there was one, one day where we had another pastor. He would come over to our church, and he would do some work. He was a pastor of a small church, and we were trying to help him out. So we would come and have him do some construction work or some different things like that. And um, so it was on Monday, I remember. And so a pastor said, take him, show him some of the things that we need to get done, and I'm taking him. And he, he knew the situation, a little bit of what was going on. He goes, well, how's it going in the church? And I said, well, we're still battling. And he goes, the pastor said, he goes, well, we're praying for you. And I said, well, we really appreciate that. He goes, we're praying. I've asked my church to pray that the back of this thing be broken. And I just started busting out laughing. And he looked at me like I had three heads. He goes, why is that so funny? I said, yesterday in church, seven or eight of those people who are fighting against us, who I have never heard that they had back problems, were not at church because they had back problems. I am dead serious. I said, you keep praying for the back of this thing to be broken. So then the, after I got done talking to him, guess where I went? I went and saw the senior pastor. I said, you know those seven or eight people? Guess where it's coming from? His church. He's praying. I, I can't think those things up. Let God take care of those things for you. These, these mean people who were fighting against us, yes, they, they had to stay at home because their backs were hurting. God has his ways. And if we let him... Sometimes we can even laugh about it. They, they got what they deserve. Going on in verses 3 through 7 tells us that the, these wicked people and what they are doing, he gives a little specific. How long will this continue? They are arrogant and proud. We struggle with this world with its boasting, ungodly living, their pride, but God will pull down all of that and he will judge them. Remember that they are worldly, so let me throw a caution in there. We, we wrestle against flesh and blood. I'm sorry, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. So we have to understand that the people of the world really don't understand the things of God. So give them some grace. Help them to understand. But this world, we can see the ungodly living, the pride, all those things that they have in their lives, but they do not know God. Nebuchadnezzar was one who God allowed to be humble because of his pride. God took care of it. And you know the story well where he had to go out and he was in the wilderness, in the fields, and his nails grew, his hair grew, and all those things. He was just like an animal because he was puffed up. Like I said, we would maybe think of some other way of getting rid of Nebuchadnezzar, but God had his way. And the story is a great ending at the end because what happens to Nebuchadnezzar? He finds God. He finds God. That's the thing. Sometimes with our vengeance, we have no desire for them to find God. Maybe meet their maker, but that's about it because I'm going to kill them. They're going to stand before God. God has his ways to, to bring them to a spot where he can be seen. So we have to remember that. They are oppressing the followers of God. They are being crush, crushed. Isaiah deals with the same thing in Isaiah chapter 3. It says, The Lord arises to contend and stands to judge the people. The Lord enters into judgment with the elders and the princes. 
of his people. It is you who have been devoured the vineyard. The plunder of the poor is in your houses. What do you mean by crushing my people? It's God speaking. In grinding the face of the poor, declares the Lord God of hosts. God does not like it when his people are put down and crushed and being taken advantage of. Verse 6 tells, them, tells us that they murdered and did all kinds of wicked things. And it's the same for those who commit abortions, those who disregard life because it is precious to God. We see stories every single day of violence, of murder going on. You can see what's happened up in Chicago this past summer. All these people that just, they, they don't care. They don't care. The same could be said for Hitler and the Holocaust that was taking place. What was the psalmist going through at that time? What were they dealing with at that time? It might have been worse than what it is now. It might not have been worse than what it is now. But that's the thing about God's Word. It's for us today. And we can apply it to today. And lastly, they mocked God. They said that there is no God. That the plain mockery of God will get you in trouble every single time. They kind of taught him, they said, oh, and we've seen this before, there is no God. Yes, there is. And when you stand before him, when you, when you meet him, when they do. The Bible says work out your salvation with fear and with trembling. It doesn't say work out your salvation by, by you know, reading the Bible or praying. Fear, respect, and trembling that we take it very, 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 very seriously. You get one chance to get into heaven, and you're living that chance. You're living that chance. Let's go on. Verses 8 through 11. People who are senseless. People who are senseless. It says, Pay heed, you senseless among the people, and when you will understand stupid ones. I'm sorry. And when will you understand stupid ones? You can quote the Bible if you want. That's what the Bible says, calling you stupid. And he who planted the ear, does he not hear? He who formed the eye, does he not see? He who chastens the nations, will he not rebuke? Even he who teaches man knowledge? The Lord knows the thoughts of man. They are a mere breath. The psalmist tries to plead with those who are being ungodly. He's really trying to reach out to them at this time and trying to get them to come back, to understand. I like the way that he talks to them, calling them senseless and stupid, but then he turns around and he says, listen, let me give you some understanding. The God who created the ear, all of its intricate stuff and how it works and everything else, you don't think that he listens to what you're saying? The one who created the eye and it is so amazing on how it works and all the cones and all of that stuff that's in there and how you can see and it transmits to the brain and it shows images and you know what it is. You don't think that he sees? He was trying to get them to understand. The one who corrects the nations and they have seen God's hand move. They've heard the history of God. Do you think that he's not going to punish you? Sometimes, and I've shared this before, sometimes the best way to get people to think is ask them questions. The psalmist was asking them questions. Don't you think that the one who created the ear isn't listening? The one who created the eye isn't seeing? Make them think. He's trying to get them to have some understanding in their life. And this is one thing that I think from time to time that we need to do is we need to help others to understand that we can bring the light of God into their lives. That there's punishment coming. And it might be here on earth. And it might not be here on earth. So many times we think of the, the punishment of God and we think, why does God hold his hand from whatever? 
And you can see some of these places around the world where there's, there's kids that are taken, they're snatched from their villages, and they're given a gun, and they go out, and they, they're taught to shoot people, and there's so much violence, and there's so much wickedness, you know, with slavery and sex trafficking and all these things around the world. Why? Does God not stop it right now? I don't have an answer. I don't have an answer. There are times when those things are found out. There's times when it is changed. There's times when punishment does come, yes. But we will all, all seven billion people that are on the planet right now, we will all stand before God, them included. We should try and help them to have understanding and have wisdom. So we ask these questions. In Proverbs chapter 1, and you can read the whole Proverbs, it talks about wisdom. Wisdom shouts in the street. She lifts her voice in the square. And the head of the noisy street, she cries out. This is wisdom. At the entrance of the gates in the city, she utters her sayings. How long, O naive ones, will you love being simple-minded? And scoffers delight themselves in scoffing. And fools hate knowledge. Turn to my reproof. Behold, I will pour out my spirit on you. I will make my words known to you. Because I called you, I called, and you refused. I stretched out my hand, and no one paid attention. It's out there for them to have. The thing is, is you have it inside of you. The wisdom of God to share with those who are foolish, who are stupid, who are not wise. We have these things. If you continue to read the chapter on wisdom, it is attainable, but not always sought after. Wisdom is attainable, but not always sought after. We need godly wisdom. Verse 10 tells us that God does not leave even the heathen without chastisements and rebukes. He teaches man knowledge goes on and says that God knows the thoughts of man. And if God knows the thoughts, he will also see the actions. Because it's out of the heart that the mouth speak. It's out of our own lives, what we do, what we believe that we will act on and we will react on. Church, the mind is the battlefield, and the struggle of life is either won or lost in the mind. This is where the devil can come in and tempt, where the devil can put in thoughts and we need to take those things captive, throw them out. It's a daily battle. It is a daily battle. God wants us to win that battle. With the Holy Spirit, we can. And aren't you thankful we're Pentecostal people, that we believe in the Holy Spirit and the work that He does? But those of the world don't have understanding. They don't have understanding. Listen to God's reaction to those who don't follow Him. It's kind of long Scripture here in, in Romans chapter 1. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against the all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness because that which is known about God is evident within them. Did you get that? The last part of that. Verse 19. Because that which is known about God is evident within them. Everybody can have a knowledge of God. It's within them. For God made it evident to them. And we can see it. You, you walk out tonight, hopefully there's a little bit of light left. You can see that the grass, you can see the trees, you can see the clouds, you can see the sun and the moon and all those different things. God created those things. You can see rivers and you can see fish, you can see birds who created those. God has made it evident that He is real that he's alive. Verse 20, For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understand, through what has been made, so that they are without excuse. They are without excuse. When they stand before God, there is no excuse. Well, I didn't know. Nobody told me. I didn't know that there was a Jesus that died on a cross. Nobody told me about God. It was made evident to them. For even though 
They knew God. They, dis, they did not honor him as God or give thanks. But they became futile in their speculations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God for an image in the form of corruptible man and of birds and four-footed animals and crawling creatures. That's what they make God is into those things. Therefore, God gave them over to the lust of their hearts, to impurity, so that their bodies would be dishonored among them. For they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the Creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, God gave them over to degrading passions. For women exchanged the natural, natural function for that which is unnatural. And the same also with men abandoned the natural function of women and burned in their desire toward other, uh, one another. Men with men committing indecent acts and receiving in their own persons the due penalty of their error. And just as they did not see fit to acknowledge God any longer, God gave them over to a depraved mind. To do those things which are not proper, being filled with all unrighteousness, wickedness, evil, greed, evil, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, malice. They are gossip, slanders, haters of God, insolent, arrogant, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents without understanding, untrustworthy, unloving, unmerciful. And although they know the ordinance of God and those who practice such things are worthy of death, not physical but spiritual. They not only do the same, but they also give hearty approval to those who practice them. Wow. That's the way that the world lives. That's the way that they think. It shouldn't be the way that we think. It's the way that the world thinks. Because they do not know God. They do not know God. God knows the thoughts of man. And there are many that are selfless, sin, sense, yeah, senseless people that are in this world today. Let's go on. Third part, verses 12 through 16. Blessed is the man, I'm sorry, those that follow God. He's talking now, those that follow God. Blessed is the man whom you chasten, O Lord, and whom you teach out of your law, that you may grant him relief from the days of adversity, until the pit is dug for the wicked, for the Lord will not abandon his people, for the Lord will not abandon his people. For the Lord will not abandon his people. Did you catch that? Okay, some of you did. Nor will he forsake his inheritance. For judgment will again be righteous. And all the upright in heart will follow it. Who will stand up for me against evildoers? Who will take his stand for me against those who do wickedness? Blessed is the man whom God chastens and corrects. Blessed is the man whom God chastens and corrects. This last part is like a beatitude. Remember studying the beatitudes back a number of months ago where it says blessed is because of this. Blessed are those because they're humble. Blessed are those because they... Blessed is the man whom God chastens and corrects. Aren't you happy for that? Yes. Don't you love correction? Come on. We all want a spanking now and then, right? Come on. When I was growing up, and if my mom, she would catch me in something or whatever I'd do wrong, she'd want to sit down, and she'd want to talk about it, and she'd want to analyze it, and, you know, it'd go on for about an hour, and I'm like, just give me the dad. I want to take a spanking, and... It hurt, hurt less if I got the spanking and sitting there talking to mom. Oh. Correction. It's fun. Yes. Blessed is the man that God corrects. Here's the thing that I've learned with God is that when he corrects me, it's exactly what I need. I know at times I have two kids and tried to correct them at times, and there's some times when I've had to go back and apologize and say, listen, I think that wasn't the right thing. But with God, I've never had God come back to me and say, Paul, I think I screwed up on your punishment here. 
Not once has he ever come back and told me that. It's always exactly what I mean. It's kind of like the vengeance part. That he knows how to take care of the vengeance. He knows how to give us the punishment. He knows how to correct us at times. And when you're corrected by God, then you'll find great peace. You'll find great peace. When we fall under the hand of God and, and follow the ways that he, uh, that he has for us, there's times when correction comes. And you'll find that your life will be better if you follow that correction. God will never leave us or forsake us. It doesn't mean that we're supposed to be spoiled, that we can have everything that we want. No. A good parent will always correct his children or her children. Always correct them. The judgment of God will be to righteousness that we need. And if we follow after him, we will receive it and we will change. Remember, we're not living in this world. We're, I mean, we're not living for this world. We're living in this world. We're really living for the life that is yet to come. And there's a lot of wickedness in this world. Matthew chapter 10, verse 28, Do not fear those who can kill the body but are unable to kill the soul, but rather fear him who is able to destroy both the soul and the body in hell. Yes. I, this is one of my favorite verses because I'm, I'm not a big guy. I don't look like a big guy. Underneath this shirt, hmm, you better believe it. Just tuck it all in. It's smoke and mirrors. <laughs> like that, Olivet? Yes. I've never, I've never been afraid, and I've been in some, some places that were not the greatest places to be in. I've been with people who were not the wisest being in these places and trying to start fights and, and things like that. But I've never been afraid of anybody else. Having a great respect and love and fear of God, I do have. I do have. Don't be like Lot's wife. When she was running away, she wanted to turn back and see those things which are behind us. Keep our eyes focused on God. God has more for us than this world has. So as children of God, we need to follow him and understand that he knows best, that he knows best. Last in verse 17 through, verses 17 through 23, God is our stronghold. If the Lord had not been my help, my soul would soon have dwelt in abode of silence. If I should say my foot has slipped, your loving kindness, O Lord, will hold me up. When my anxious, anxious thoughts multiply within me, my consolations delight my soul. Can a throne of destruction be allied with you? One of my devices mischief by degree. The band, I'm sorry, they band themselves together against the life of righteous and condemn the innocent to death. But the Lord has been my stronghold. And my God, the rock of my refuge, he has brought back their wickedness upon them and will destroy them in their evil. The Lord our God will destroy them. These last verses talk about the faithfulness of God. Verse 17, If the Lord has not been my help, my soul would soon have dwelt in abode of silence. Are you glad that God is there to help us, take care of us, care for us? He knows when we're up. He's there when we're down. He's there in the middle of the night when you wake up at 2 o'clock and you can't go back to sleep and you're struggling with an issue. You're dealing with something in your life. God is there. All you have to do is call out to him. He wants to hear from us. Though the enemy comes in like a flood, God will hold back the waters. Now, there's times when you will go through things. And if you look at the world, there's times when we go through things. The Bible says that God reigns on the just and the unjust alike. So if there's a tornado that's coming towards Springfield, he's not going to just take out the house of those people who are unsaved. No. We've seen that happen. We've had a couple of tornadoes come through a number of years ago. And he just didn't hop from one house to the next house. He just whoosh, go right down the street. And I know some of those were saved. Some of those weren't saved. We wouldn't help in those neighborhoods. Helped to clean up. We did a few things. Gave out food. And there were some people that we met There were Christians. There were some people who weren't Christians. But we do need to walk with God. If God is there with us, then we will be fine. 
If we fall into a pit, God will be there. Read the story of Joseph. God was always there. God was always there. The times when you have gone through trials and testings in your life, God was always there. God was always there. Verse 19 talks about the thoughts of the mind. What are your thoughts? As we saw earlier, God knows them. When you are struggling in an area, does your mind and your heart go to God? Does it go to God? There is nothing that God doesn't see or that he doesn't know. We have so many things that happen around this world. God sees them and he knows them. He knows what's going to happen. All we have to do is walk with him. He will help navigate us through these things. Navigate us through each and every one of these things. The last two verses. But the Lord has been my stronghold and my God, the rock of my refuge. He has brought back their wickedness upon them and will destroy them in their evil. The Lord our God will destroy them. Is that the God you serve? Hopefully you understand that that is the God we serve. He's going to be with us and he is going to punish those who are wicked. He is with us and he's going to punish those who are wicked. That means that he is impenetrable. He's our secure place. That he's there no matter what. And the thing is, is people can't hide from God. I thought about the story of, of Jericho and the walls. It said that the walls are so thick that they could have chariot races on top and, and everything. They thought that nobody could destroy those walls. But these people just walking around them. Seven days. They all crumbled in. People think that they can hide or that they, they have security that they're not going to be harmed your sins will find you out we have just seen that in the last two days with the things that are happening in washington dc your sins will find you out god will keep you let me clap for your hand the wickedness of the enemy will fall back on them. And it's not for us to have the vengeance. It's not for us to gloat because this is what's happened to them. No. God will punish them and he'll punish them in the right way, and proper way. It's up to us to walk after God. I've seen this happen many times. God is an amazing God. He loves his children, but he's created us all. God loves his children, and he has created us all. He loves those also who do not follow after him, and so should we. Not wanting bad for them. Let God take care of those things. But help us to help them to see a God. That when they go out and they see the grass, the trees, the birds, all these different things, the wind, they've seen God. Here's my challenge for you this next week is to go and, and read Psalm 91. I really thought about taking Psalm 91. Go and read Psalm 91. If you haven't read in a while, read it. Before you go to bed tonight, read it tomorrow. It's one of the great psalms that talks about how much God loves and protects us, how much God loves us and protects us. And you'll find that you'll find a, a loving God a loving God. And when you find that loving God, you'll find this relationship works a lot better, which helps you with this relationship. Amen? Heavenly Father, I, I pray that you would just take these words. Father, help us with this psalm, not just to read it and go on, but Father, how does it apply to our lives? Father, all these psalms, how does it apply to my life? How does it apply to our church? How does it apply to Springfield? How does it apply to America? How does it apply to the world? Father, how does it apply to my situations, my thoughts, the things that I'm doing? Father, help us. Help us, I pray, that we can glean from your word, we can live holy and just, that others can see Jesus Christ in us as we give you praise.
as we give you praise in Jesus' name. I'm going to ask you to stand tonight as we've done the last number of weeks. Come down around the altar. Come in tonight. Don't you love your brothers and sisters? I know I do. You're, you're wonderful people, and I love you very much. Because the thing is, is, if we don't love you down here, we're going to spend eternity together. We might as well. <laughs> the good, the bad, the ugly, all that. We should love one another. Is there something, as, as we've done the last few weeks, is there something that somebody has to share tonight? Is there something that God spoke to you about tonight? And we, uh, we participate in a place called Coomer. And uh, two weeks ago, Calvary, which comes about five or six times a year now, um, we had a special uh, a dinner for them on a Tuesday night. We drew 89 people. And, uh, but the Lord had moved in me for, for quite some time before we had that, our turns, Calvary's turn, um, to do something really special. So we um, talked about it, and we came up with some ideas. This is the Milne C2 group. And um, it's going to be a costly thing to do. And um, there are some people that I know, and she all knows, that wouldn't step foot in a church. Uh, one, uh, particularly five people, four people. And uh, one is a, a member of uh, Westside, and surely will. And the other four, nah, not so much. And I just, um, the Lord just put me to go talk to them about doing something special. So we went to them, and he gave me $500. And I was just like shocked, and then somebody else heard about it, and he gave me another $100. <laughs> so before the whole evening was over, um, Don's group were singing. Uh, Calvary folks, the Melanie C2 group, uh, were feeding. And you, the people were applauding. These are people on the streets, people who are just really poor, <clears throat> schizophrenic, some of them, uh, alcoholic, some of them. And I was just so proud of this church for, for participating in this kind of program that, that we all can see because it's not in Africa and it's not over, it's not anywhere. It's right here in Springfield, Illinois. And I was really proud of these people who gave us the money because over the years they've done this before for us, not for Coomer particularly, but two of them sent little messages to me that said, thank you for doing God's work. Now, I, take, I, I, I don't take that a certain way. You know what I'm thinking of? They finally recognized God. And one even at one point said, if it is God's will, would you please pray for my son who uh, we uh, do some special things with. And I just think it's wonderful for, the, you know, we, our church does a lot of stuff. I don't think we, uh, I don't mean brag, but we don't applaud ourselves enough. So give us applause right now. I think that's really good. There you go. Thank you, buddy. Thank you. If you haven't gone to Coomler on Tuesday nights, Stan and Sheila are always there. Uh, Dante and, and Rebecca are always there. And it is a great ministry. Our staff has gone uh, a few times, and uh, it'll bless your heart. Anybody else? Go ahead. Um, I saw something in current events that recently that disturbed me a lot. The recent um, scandal in the Catholic Church, um, sex scandal, and looking into it, um, all these reports, I don't know if anybody followed it, but hundreds of priests in Pennsylvania and thousands of victims and um, it was a grand jury redacted report and all these details in it and um, spoke to me about wickedness and we talked about senselessness tonight and something that should be sacred a, a church M men of God priests doing all these horrible things um, and just really spoke to me um, and it was disturbing. I, it hit home um, being a Christian, you know, even Catholics, um, you know, they follow Jesus. And, and I think that hurts us. And I think that we need to pray for that church because there's some serious 
wickedness and evil and some changes that need to be made, um, I, I pray that they, they come to God in the way that they need to. Um, there's something important and that I thought should be addressed and that we should care about even as Protestants or um, you know, non-denominational or what, whatever. Sure. Let's, let's pray in closing. Heavenly Father, Father, we do lift this need up to you. There's so many times things that are senseless by senseless people. Father, we do pray for the Catholics, for the church. Father, we pray for the, capital T, church, that you would just help. Father, so many times we can see where people have fallen, but Father, they're not perfect. We make mistakes. But Father, I pray that you would just help us to continue to pray. Father, to, to pray for those who are not able to fight for themselves. Father, we see those who, Father, are boarded this year. They're not able to fight for themselves. Father, we can see those who are abducted, those who are taken. Father, all these things, senseless. Father, I pray that you would help us to be a people of prayer. That, Father, when we watch the news, we would pray. Father, as we're driving down the street and we see people, we would pray. Father, when we're in a grocery store and we pass by somebody, we would pray. Help us to understand that this is a world of Christians and non-Christians. Father, where Christians will spend eternity with you and non-Christians will not. Father, we know that seems like the, the times are getting worse and worse. But Father, we also know that that's what's going to happen in the end times. So help us to be lights in this dark world, to try and help as many people to find you, to light the way, to help them to see Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Father, we just thank you for your love for us. Thank you for the ministry at Coomler. Father, for the people that are touched every week. Father, and I pray that you would help us as a church to be your hands extended. Father, we would see with your eyes, feel with your hands. Father, touch with your heart. And I pray a blessing now over my friends tonight that as they've come tonight to seek you and, Father, to learn and grow, to be equipped. Father, I pray that you would help us to be motivated. Father, in sharing the gospel of helping others to be disciples. Father, I'd also pray tonight if there's correction that needs to take place that you would correct us. Father, because we do need it. Father, I'd rather receive correction and do those things which are right and not receive correction and continue to fall into sin. Father, bless my friends as we go our separate ways. Bless their homes. Father, help us to follow after you. In Jesus' name we pray and everyone said, amen. 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 God bless you. Have a great night. Thank you very much for coming. And may God's peace be in your heart.